This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Good evening. I'm here to take your points. <laughs> Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Rahul, I know I said all things Premier League, but let's start with the Champions League, and let's lead in with the women's team, my friend, because it was a nail-biter. I know you have a fun story to share with us today, but let's start with the formalities. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. It's been a while. I was... I was thinking, you know, there's no Premier League football. We recorded an episode last week with Ben Jacobs, but then since then I haven't seen you, haven't heard from you. So I feel like Premier League needs to come back so I can be reunited with my friend. And you've always said, right, that the beauty of our friendship, although we do a lot of other things together, Chelsea has found a way to keep us communicating and keep us in touch. And so it's good to have them the men's team coming back but like i said save them for later in the segment let's open with the women why don't you tell us what's going on and share the story you shared with me right before we started recording so we had our second leg of the champions league uh tie against leon we won the last one for one nil last week uh, which was kind of a surprise because away from home eight time holders current holders uh, didn't expect to go away to France and get a win, get a clean sheet, but we did that. And then we came back and we lost to City in the in the league, which was, I, I think we've spoken about this in the last few episodes. It's just every time we feel like we're building something, we tend to drop the performance and, and you know, drop some points. But this was a massive game. It was an opportunity to make it to the semifinals. So uh, at the bridge, under the lights, you know, the Champions League is always... Uh, something that Chelsea as a club thrive on. So I tuned in, you know, obviously I was at work at 3 p.m. So I started watching it on my phone and go through the motions and, you know, tune in and out a little bit due to work. Uh, But I always kind of had an eye on it. And, you know, first half, I'm like, all right, this is kind of what you expect. Uh, Leon would be doing what they need to do, which is push us. We get some opportunities on the break. And on another night, we go 1-0 up. Uh, but anyway, second half, and I kind of have to step away from my desk, so I missed their goal. And I come back, and I'm like, oh, man, they scored. This is going to be edgy. It's going to get you know a little uncomfortable for us. Uh, and I kind of just progressed. My day progressed along with the game, and it's it goes into extra time, and I'm about to leave work, and it's now 2-0, and I'm like, maybe I should turn it off. Like I don't know if we're coming back. We really haven't been up for it today, which was sad to say because – a massive opportunity to take a, a, a step forward, especially after the result last week, like I said. So anyway, I leave it on. I get in my car, I'm driving home. Hopefully my wife's not listening to this episode. Um, <laughs> so I'm driving home, right? And I have it on my phone and, and the audio is coming through the car. And maybe 10 minutes into my drive, we win the penalty right at the end. Uh, of that second half and extra time and it's basically the last kick of the game right and i see lauren james tumble over keeping an eye on the road and i'm not advocating anybody (laughs) you know watch games or or do what i I did uh but i'm glad i did because 
I'm like, I don't know if this is a penalty. Lauren James seems like she may have tried to, you know, get something out of nothing. Referee doesn't give it. But then I'm looking at Emma Hayes and she's like on, you know, head on her ha- uh, hands on her head and really surprised it wasn't given. I'm like, maybe I'm missing something. Then VAR comes in. And I'm like, oh, my God, this there might go. actually be given. Um, and so I'm getting hyped up. Right. And I'm like, but I need to stay focused on the road. Uh, anyway, we get the penalty and then I'm like, who's going to take it? I think Sophie Engel had the ball. Um, but Jess Carter was there. And then finally, uh, Marin Mielda steps up and I'm like, this literally, you have to give her credit because it's the last kick of the game. Missing is not an opportunity, uh, or an option. Um, and she steps up and she buries a top corner and it's. <laughs> Honestly, the last, like, if you didn't watch any of this game and you watched the last, like, two minutes, that would have been more than enough because that's when <laughs> Chelsea came alive. Um, so now I'm like, all right, now I got to watch a whole shootout while driving home. <laughs> My Apple CarPlay is malfunctioning. I can't take the right exit. I end up on the wrong side in terms of, you know, where I need to be. And now I'm sitting in traffic. Maybe it worked out because I could actually watch the, the shootout. Um <laughs> You know, we save one. I'm like, all right, Lauren James has the opportunity to get us a, a step closer. She misses. But finally, man, we come through. And it's just one of those things. I'm like in traffic, like in my car, yelling and, and celebrating. And um, just just the emotion of, of what Chelsea put us through, especially in the Champions League. And I think that's just as a club. Yeah. Make it tough for ourselves. But then we find a way and get back out and not don't have not always right but in this case it, it works out and you got to give credit where it's due which is we made it count when we should have but we really shouldn't have put ourselves in that kind of a hole listen if you didn't watch this game i think rahul's story is taking you through the highs the lows he risked his life to bring you these updates which is quite imp- impressive in itself but rahul i did get a chance to watch the highlights and i think you summarized it perfectly first half Maybe a little flat, nothing to talk about. But one thing I will say, holding champions, Leon. So you have to put that into account when we're talking about all this. They score. Berger has a Kepa moment, dare I say, to be respectful to her, but disrespectful to Kepa for a quick second. Not her best day as far as that goal goes. But then they score again and you wonder what's going on. We get back with the penalty like you described perfectly. And then the penalty shootout is just another thing where... (laughs) Berger redeems herself. I think she ends up being player of the match as well, which is incredible. And we knock out Leon and the celebrations and the emotion. And I think while I'm hearing you try and put your life on the line, not worried about the road. And I must put this disclaimer to anybody listening. Don't do what Rahul did. Maybe just listen to the game. Don't watch it. (laughs) But again, it's the highs and the lows and the energy. And I think the theme of this is the never say die attitude that not only do the Chelsea women show week in, week out, you can see from Emma Hayes' passion that she said, for one minute, we're not going to lose this game. Now, how it ends up working out in our favor, and I think sometimes when you play Champions League and knockout football, you just need a little bit of luck. And in this case, my least favorite luck comes in the form of VAR. But look, it works, and they do the job, and they get the job done, and they squeeze across the finish line. But I'll say this. Make it easy in the next one. Don't put so much stress on me and maybe don't have Rahul drive through such danger to do this and just get us the winning goals early on in the game. To to be honest, if I knew this was... 
if it was one nil, I don't know if I would have gone in the car. I would have been like, we still have an opportunity to score right. a goal. But you know, as it was getting closer to the end, and then they scored a second, I'm like, you know what? I don't see us coming back. And and honestly, if we don't get that penalty, I don't think we come back at all. Um, so we did get lucky. We have to be honest. I, I know we're Chelsea fans, and and we would like to give them the praise that it was a great performance, but it wasn't. Uh, I think we ended up wanting to hold on more than trying to kill it. Uh, and that's where against a team like Leon, because they had nothing to lose. They knew what they had to do. Uh, they came out and did what they had to do and, and almost got it there, but just not enough. And it took me back to when I watched these two teams in preseason uh, in Portland and Leon did end up beating us after. I think we had a fabulous game for like an hour. So that's what it takes sometimes. You need the luck. You need you need your players to step up like Nielda does in literally the last minute. And then like you rightly pointed out, Berger, I think, redeemed in the sense that not the best performance, but it wasn't just her. I think the rest right. of the team weren't having a great day either. But she steps up and makes some big, big saves in Huge. that shootout and, and gets us through. Uh, and I know, you know, people will talk about the fact that uh, she was the woman of the match or, or the player of the match, but she, her personal story herself, just coming back from thyroid cancer twice uh, to be in this situation and then have Jess Carter, who's her partner, kind of score the winning penalty, uh, I think is just a, a good moment and a feel-good moment for everyone. And hopefully we kick on from here because we did look exhausted. We did look out of ideas. Uh, and it doesn't get any easier. We have Barcelona, who thrashed us in the final a couple of years ago. So uh, hopefully we, we can get it past them and make another final. And it's a trophy that we've been vying for, although we've been trying for the last couple of seasons to get this one. So like I said earlier, to win the Champions League, sometimes you need a little bit of luck. If this is the way we get the luck, look, my friend. I'm not going to complain. We're going to go get a Champions League one way or the other this season. Don't, That's what don't we, we know that. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, if you don't get a chance to watch the women's games, and like Rahul, I know the timing sometimes are difficult, but what an opportunity to see them going into the latest stages of the Champions League runs in the finals of Cups, going in strong in the league as well. So if you can continue to follow, continue to watch, it's going to get a little more exciting towards the end of the season. And if you don't know who Emma Hayes is, please look her up. Look up her history and what she's done for Chelsea Football Club because I think it's absolutely incredible but Rahul I think we can transition on maybe you want to talk about a different topic to to kick off from here yeah so I mean you know international break so there's always lots of activity but not really going on online within uh, different forums and social media but uh, this one I think is more driven by the fact that the new owners have come in there's always been talk about Stanford Bridge and and you know increasing the capacity or redeveloping. So I think this week we've seen a bunch of articles and news come out that Todd Bowley's is exploring options. I think Craven Cottage, which is down the road from the bridge, is an option. Using Wembley is an option. But if I think we are to redevelop Stanford Bridge, it could take up to four years that we would be away, which is a very long time. Earl's Court, which is another uh, option that has come up is something that is being explored. But I know a lot of people, especially Sanford Bridge faithful and, you know, people that have been going to games for a long time feel like we should go down the option of just redeveloping the bridge. But for anyone that's been to the bridge and, and I've been lucky enough to, to go there, there isn't much room, right? There's, there's housing, there's a train station, there's, 
um, just a lot going on in that neighborhood. And so to kind of build a bigger stadium, you need space or you go higher, but that's kind of not really something that you want to do because you're, you're getting dr- uh, driven away from the pitch. So I just wanted to get your thoughts, you know, what do you think of everything? I mean, I, I, at the core of it, I think we all agree that Stanford Bridge needs to be updated, needs to have more seating, because that's just more revenue, right? But what do you think? Redevelop Stanford Bridge or move somewhere within West London where we can maybe build a brand new stadium that holds 70, 80,000? Listen, I have to respect people's opinions and thoughts on Stanford Bridge. And unlike you, Rahul, I've been unlucky in the fact that I've not been able to make it out to Stanford Bridge just yet. It's one of the things on my bucket list, and I think eventually... One way or the other, I'll make it out there, whether it's old Stamford Bridge or new Stamford Bridge, that remains to be seen. But I think it's important to note that Chelsea in the last 15, 20 years have become a powerhouse of European football and, and world football. We just came off winning the World Club Cup last year as well. So I just did a quick Google search and I'm looking at the top capacity stadiums in England. And I think Chelsea sitting at ninth or 10th at this point in time. For me, that's not good enough. And I think we have a global following, fans from all over. You and I are members of fan clubs in the United States that each have a group of people that want to make it over to Stamford Bridge and spend their time there. It's incredibly difficult to get as many fans in there and build the atmosphere that we expect in Stamford Bridge when we're out there. We've been famous for sometimes lacking atmosphere, and that's not necessarily just Stamford Bridge's fault, but I think having a few more voices in there will make a big difference to just cheer the boys on when things are not going so well. So my opinion is this, I want to get it done as quickly as possible because the quicker we can have 70, 80,000 people packed in there and making that noise and just building the atmosphere that I know can be done, especially on European nights, it's something that I would be willing to just spend some time out there, get the goosebumps that I want to feel and have the opportunity to say, yeah, we have one of the biggest stadiums in England and in Europe. Some of the best fans are coming in there. The facilities are state-of-the-art, although I know we've invested years and years into the stadium and into the facilities, but it just takes you to the next level. And I want to say Tottenham invested a few years ago. We can't allow those noisy neighbors to be that big and weird at smaller stadiums. So respect to all the fans. I know there's a lot of football heritage and culture and love around Stamford Bridge, but if we need to get the job done quicker... I personally would be happy sacrificing a few years out of there just to get it done as quickly as possible. But to stay at the bridge. To eventually stay at the bridge, to come back and stay at the bridge. Yes, that would be keeping the culture and the history alive. And and I, I tend to agree with you. I, I just can't imagine, and look, I know teams have done it, like Arsenal being one of them. They moved away from the Highbury to the Emirates, and, and here we are, I think, was it 20, 15 years on maybe? Yeah. Um, so it can be done, but I just feel like Stamford Bridge, Chelsea in the in the modern era is just go hand in hand. And and I I know Roman had plans of you know I think we had seen like this dome kind of uh, picture. So it can be done. Of course, it all requires you know permissions from the government and and the zoning committees and all of that. But ultimately, also the CPO, which is the Chelsea pitch owners, who actually own the pitch uh, and and you know. Um, without their permission, I don't think we can just be like, well, you know what, Sanford Bridge is done because that's not how this works, which is a, a good thing in terms of preserving the history, the culture, uh, and finding a solution that, I, like you said, we can 
stay where we are and maybe move away for a couple of seasons, maybe three, four seasons, and come back to a brand new Stanford Bridge, which will be called Stanford Bridge, hopefully, and then we don't, you know, change it to, I don't know, the three stadium, although three is <laughs> going away, which is nice. Uh, but no, I, I agree with you, and I, yeah, I just wanted to get to your thoughts, right? Because once the 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 football's back this weekend, I think we'll we'll not be talking about redevelopment until the summer, but. Uh, it's something that I think is on the horizon, and it's welcome because, like you said, we need to have more fans. We need to have the the income from just ticket uh, sales that a club like Chelsea deserve. No, and Rahul, just one more thing. I know there's not much to say on Stamford Bridge, and I don't want to drag this out, but coming back to atmosphere, right? If you're going to rebuild Stamford Bridge while we are playing games there, right, your capacity is obviously going to decrease, and that's something that I don't really want to see is us going from hey, we can fit 40,000 on a Champions League night too. Well, half of the stadium is under construction, so let's do 20,000. And, oh, we're playing on this end, and there's nobody in the corner. It's like, you remember the COVID times, and I never want to remember the COVID times where, well, we got the good where I could hear the players and the managers yelling at each other. We got the bad where I'm like, this just doesn't feel right, man. And again, I repeat, I haven't had a chance to make it out there. It's on my bucket list. But you want that energy and that atmosphere and that excitement. And I always remember... Champions League nights because it's one of the nights we have the whole stadium with flags kind of going back and forth and people are singing and dancing and it's just one of those things where you get in early take a couple of drinks with you and you're having just the best evening of your life and on Premier League weeks look you remember the time we won Premier Leagues at home and we're celebrating with our fans there is nothing better than it so reducing the capacity for building over time it just kind of sits a little sour and it just leaves a little bit of ugliness as well while you're trying to do it. But look, ultimately, I support the redevelopment. I think that's something that needs to happen. But they're smarter people than you and I out there and they'll make the decisions whether or not we say something on the podcast. But let's move on, my friend. Let's talk about while we do have Stamford Bridge, we can play in it. So let's talk about Aston Villa. And they've got a new manager who's probably going to open it with good evening, my friends, and going to go from there. And I mean that with the most respect. But Oh, Unai Emery's back, doing well fast in Villa. In fact, they might be creeping up on us in the Premier League as well. But why don't you give us some facts and history about Aston Villa? So you said they might be creeping us up on us. And in, in other times, it would sound like maybe they're closing in on top four. We're fighting for <laughs> Europe. But this is a proper mid-table clash because Chelsea sit nice. in 10th uh, with 38 points and a goal difference of positive one. Nice. Aston Villa sit in the 11th with 38 points and a goal difference of negative four. So it's really, yes, they're creeping up on us, but it's really set right in the middle of the table. And, you know, whenever there's an opportunity for us to give up that 10 spot, we find a way to hold on and hang on, whether that's to move up or down. So uh, maybe that's giving away a little bit of my prediction. But coming back to this game, I mean, like you mentioned, Unai Emery's come in and they've scored in all 16 of their uh, competitive games under him. So that tells you that he's brought some attacking football back to them. He's got the front players firing uh, and getting them to score goals. So does that bode well for us? We'll find out. But they're um, looking to go five games unbeaten. And the last time they did something like this was the fifth game for them was Chelsea. And they ended up drawing 1-1. So again, I might be giving away my prediction. But it's... It's an interesting one, right? Because the last two years after our international break this time around, we lost 5-2 to West Brom. And I think you remember it was a it was in Tuchel's first season. 
and then 4-1 to Brentford, which was last season. So I think we're in for something similar. It's going to be a tough game. There's going to be goals. It's just down to if we're scoring the goals or if we're conceding the goals. Good stats, but I think that's something that I don't always want to hear when you kind of leave me with these <laughs> stats that could end up not going in our favor always. But listen, Unai Emery is a good manager. He's done a good job. I think, unfortunately, with Arsenal, they were going through such a change at that time. He maybe was a victim of it, and you see kind of the time that Arteta has been given and able to rebuild. And Unai Emery did bring some of those players in and had a chance to to develop some of those players. Unfortunately, it never worked out, but good manager nonetheless and i noticed that they were doing very well rahul because in my fantasy premier league i have ollie watkins and for the longest time i said should i get rid of him should i get rid of him and i don't follow aston villa but all of a sudden it's like ollie watkins scored a goal gets an assist <laughs> another goal a brace what's going on and then you start to pay attention you go oh they're right behind us in the league this could get interesting in fact when we came to do this episode today i had to look up who we were playing and i was like this could be a tough match we're coming off international break maybe the players have lost a little bit of the rhythm we came off that unfortunate draw versus Everton we've already discussed that and it didn't leave a good feeling in our mouths maybe the players may have shrugged it off with international break but it remains to be seen why don't we look at a starting 11 my friend a couple of injuries maybe a couple of changes Kante is back to some level of fitness so there's some positives what are you going with what's the formation and who are you playing in it I think we stick to the back three. So obviously Kepa plays in goal. I think there's a back three of Chaloba because Fofana mm-hmm. is or did go off with a knock. So I don't know. It all depends on Graham Potter's press conference on Friday. But since we're a little bit ahead of that, I think Chaloba, Kulabali, and Badashile is the back three. Uh, a midfield four of Loftus-Cheek, who's been doing some interviews this week and sharing his celebrity crushes. Um but we won't we won't get into that. We'll we'll stay at Loftus cheek. I think midfield of Enzo and Kovacic, who Kovacic mm. scored for Croatia, Enzo scored for Argentina. So there hopefully we can bring bring these goals back to to Chelsea. Uh, and then I think Ben Chilwell as the four, and then we can discuss the front two because you know Kai Havertz is going to be one of the <laughs> the three. <laughs> Kai Havertz has found a way to play under almost every manager since he's joined, and he's played pretty religiously all the way through. Maybe João Felix Rahul, I think he's one that's done well, not necessarily scoring and assisting an international break, but he seems to have found a way to be a permanent-ish fixture in that starting eleven. so I think maybe he would come in. I don't know if that means we play a false nine or Kai Havertz goes back into striking. The third position is up for debate. Raheem Sterling was injured for a little bit. He pulled out of the England camp, but it seems like he's fit again. Mudrik might be one that gets a chance and gets called up again. Madueke Rahul, he had a lovely international break with the under-21s. I believe he scored once and assisted twice, if I'm not mistaken. So we have a whole host of talent. And Mason Mount is also back from supposed injury. And I know we covered a lot about it with Ben <laughs> Jacobs and and his contract situation there. But I'll start with you. Of those four names, maybe there's another one you want to throw into the hat. Who do you think is going to come into the starting lineup? You forgot Pulisic. You mm. forgot Ziyech. <laughs> it's a big squad, my friend. You forgot Aubameyang, Dacho Fofana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I think the ones you identified, and, and maybe I'd throw Pulisic in there too, but um, who himself had a decent international break with the U.S. team. Uh, so I think, and I've seen Mason Mount post high on his Instagram with him in training, uh, so I think he will feature. I'm now wondering if it's from the start 
But given that Pulisic's back and fit, I'm wondering if he plays and then we'll end up seeing, you know, Sterling and, and Mason mm-hmm. Mount off the bench just because they haven't played in a couple of weeks. Uh, so I might end up going with Pulisic as that third player in the front three. Do you know what? I know? I think Graham Potter really likes Raheem Sterling, and I know he wants to play a lot with Raheem Sterling, but maybe coming off the injury, Rahul, Pulisic is also one, and we spoke with Ben Jacobs, and it seems that Graham Potter either prefers him or likes the way he kind of fills into that front three. When we have seen him, Rahul, he's done well with Kai Havertz and Jao Felix as well, so... He's one that's due a good performance and maybe even the chance to get a goal or two, dare I say, and we need that kind of firepower up front. So I would be happy to see Christian Pulisic, but let's not forget the number of names that you just listed out really quickly. <laughs> I'd like to see a little bit more about you know Mudrik and give him a chance to get a few more minutes, especially with his pace and talent, but maybe he'll come on in the second half. But let's talk about the scoreline prediction before we wrap up today. It's always tough. You alluded to doom and gloom but i hope you change your mind right here with the starting 11 what's your score prediction my friend i am gonna go for a 2-2 as okay. Villa score goals we concede goals based on the last game um so i think a 2-2 would be would be fair it's a mid-table clash keeps us in 10th keeps them in 11th so hey everyone wins <laughs> I don't feel like that's a win, and I'm not happy with a 2-2. I need to see a little more from this team. And look, one thing I will say before I give my prediction is, while I've understood that there has been some improvement, I think this is another moment to show that, as a team, we can bounce back from what I consider a poor result, but also taking that break for international break, we can come back together as a team and pick up where we left off and build on it. So... Maybe I'm a little confident. Maybe I don't know what's going on with my mind today. Maybe I haven't seen Chelsea, like you said, enough, and so I've forgotten what they play like. But Rahul, I want to see a 3-1 result. I think Ollie Watkins can get a goal so I can get some points in my fantasy, but I want to see three goals from some of our players up front. Maybe Christian Pulisic, like I said, so it would be exciting to see that. But why don't I pass it back to you to take us home? Yeah, and look, it, that, that would set us up well because I'm just looking at some of our fixtures before we wrap it up. We've got Villa on Saturday, we've got Liverpool on Tuesday, and then we've got Wolves away on Saturday before we have Madrid. So going to that Madrid game, we need some momentum. And it's Mm -hmm. three teams that we should be getting results against. I'm not going to say we should be beating them, but you look at Villa. Yes, they've been good under Unai Emery, but if we can beat them, builds up some confidence. We go into the Liverpool game on the reverse fixture against Liverpool, I think we should have won at least by one or two. So again, can we get a result there and move on to Wolves, who have been tough, but get a result there and suddenly you're like, hey, we've been unbeaten in the last three. We go into a Madrid game with a different mindset. So it's all about building that momentum as we head into this Champions League uh, tie against Madrid because that's really what we're playing for here is is seeing how far we can get into into that competition and maybe reuniting with Tuchel, uh, who knows. Uh, But that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels on all all podcast providers, including iHeart, which is our new uh, hosting place, as well as Instagram. And on Twitter, it's at Premier Chels. But we will be back with the Villa review, a Liverpool preview. But until then, stay safe and up the Chels. Hey guys, the Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. 
in other words, their Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home, so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.